this is Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is and I'm here with Frank Santopatre. And this is Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsessions. And we're here yes. with Adam Carlston. <laughs> Close. Ballpark. <laughs> Adam Carsten. Yes. Adam Carsten. And oh Christ. David Marienthal. Very good. No. Oh. Nice. Take the rest oh. of the week off. Okay. That was beautiful. He's exhausted now. Colossal obsession. Shall we tell them who Adam Carson and David Marienthal are? Ah, uh, well, one for for certain is a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> if you were That's listening right. last week, and if you weren't, shame on you. David and Adam are making a documentary, uh, and they are the uh, official historians uh, of Mr. Kelly's. The world-famous Mr. Kelly's Supper Club. Jazz club, comedy club, all-around historic, famous, very famous entertainment venue. And we went so long. We had so much fun. Gilbert took up so much time mispronouncing your name (laughs) that we had to come back and do a second one. So here you guys are again. Where did you leave off? I Uh, think you had a Cosby cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. You said Bill Cosby. And I think we could devote this whole episode. Well, well nobody cares about him anymore, right? I mean, <laughs> he's not in the news. No. Uh, just just to catch our listeners up, we were talking about all yes. the legendary performers yes. that played at Mr. Kelly's. Yeah. Um, Barbara, so, Barbara Streisand and Richard Pryor and right. George Carlin and uh, Ken, Ken, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. And, I mean, yeah, the who's who. And it is a who's Cosby who. Cosby was one of them. Um you know, Cosby was has been tricky for us. Uh, maybe David can tell that story a little bit. I mean, he played the club several times. He recorded his uh, his uh, first album there that won him the Grammy for comedy Wait, album. I saw a photo of Cosby. Was it with your dad? Yes. Were the two of them were holding up signs? Yeah, my, yes. Uh, Cosby, factually, two and a half years ago or three years ago when I started this uh, project, had just received the Lifetime Achievement Award. On national TV. Oh, the Mark Twain Prize? Right. Yes. And uh, he had just presented that. He just received that. And as many of his uh, acceptance speeches, he thanked, I guess again, thanked George and Oscar Marienthal for getting him, for keeping him on track with his comedy career. Because when, no he, when he did his first show at Mr. Kelly's, he bombed so badly, he was ready to walk home. Well, that's and, good uh, history. And, yeah. uh, and pack it all in. Wow! And, uh, so he thanked your dad and your uncle in his on, in his on several in, t- in his, his autobiography on the Today TV. Show and, and everything. It was all part of the, that yeah. part of the lore. And yet, and yeah. yet, I assume you will not approach him for the documentary. Well, well you know, it's dicey. D- David, do you want to tell your experience uh, well, with I did, that? I, <laughs> a week after he had uh, received this award, he was going to be in Chicago, and I wanted to interview him. So I called him through his publicist again. Not. Having a showbiz background, but, sure, but he uh, would recognize the name. But the publicist put me through to him, and and I spoke with him, and he agreed to be supportive of the project. And uh, then the shit hit the fan. Then the shit as hit it were. the fan, literally. <laughs> the, the you next, said it the, right. The next week, but you know, he was again. We were talking about the comics, but the history of African American comics. There, we ha- we didn't right. mention uh, uh, Godfrey. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Godfrey Cambridge. Godfrey Cambridge. Godfrey Cambridge. Oh, yeah. oh, funny guy. Flip Flip Wilson cut an album there. Wow. Devil you. Uh, right. That's Dick right. Dick Gregory. I know we mentioned. Yes, but, Dick Gregory. So Dick Gregory told me 
uh, that literally he passed uh, the baton of being the sent uh, the homey, family-oriented black comic on to Bill Cosby when he went to become political. No kidding. And uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, and, you know, and if we're talking about some of the great black comedians there, um, oh, you said Mom's Mabley. We said well, in the yeah, last Mabley, episode she had a cup um, of coffee there. Slappy White. Slappy played the club. He played with Steve Rossi. We were just talking about yes. that. After Alan and Rossi broke up. Yes. Slappy White was Slappy and Rossi. They were there at the club and in the late Slappy and, and Rossi. Yeah. <laughs> and and I remember <laughs> what I remember best and 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 I think this this was the biggest laugh and it went downhill from there. <laughs> it was they both came out on stage and he'd go, "Hi, I'm Steve Rossi." And Slappy White would go, and I'm white. <laughs> that was the opening bit. That yeah, was that the was opening. It. They were okay. brutalized in the in the reviews in Chicago. <laughs> I think Slappy paired yeah. with Red Fox too for a time. Yeah, Red and White. Yeah, they they played separate. Um, uh, Red, Fo- I think they played within the same. I think they were both sixty eight at the club. So yeah, they were booking. Um, a lot of African American acts, you know, through the really the whole tenure. I think that was another thing, you know, we really want to talk about is they, uh, they they really gave a lot of black comics uh, a a very big spotlight uh, to talk. And you know, like we already mentioned, Cosby, Flip Wilson, guys like that recorded there. And yes, you know, just a just a great legacy there. Well, and Dick Gregory did, you know, he very specifically said, you know, again, the sign of the times that. You know, Chicago was segregated and still is yeah. segregated in some ways, but he would come into the club, he'd be treated fairly, he knew he was going to be treated with respect and get paid, and then he'd, you know, end up going back to the South Side. But, and, uh, and Cosby recorded, um, I started out as a child. Yes. In the club. Yeah. Yeah. And Flip Wilson, you you said it, you devil you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. was Woody Allen, was he like, really nervous back in those days yeah actually um so funny thing is uh we've heard from arlene rothberg who uh, is another great kelly story but she was the booker at the time and she told us that he would do sets with his back turned to the audience uh how miles davis of him well (laughs) funny you say that we just interviewed woody and he said he did it as a joke in reference to uh miles davis and he thought it was funny Wow. So we don't know if that's him, <laughs> you know, retconning his history or he actually thought that way or what. But right. it's funny you, you mentioned that he he talked right. about yeah. that to us. Uh, well, he was fa- he would have famous anxiety attacks yes. before right. before going on. Well, yes. and we just met this uh, gentleman, John Dumanian. Yes, we know John oh, Dumanian. Uh, yes, let, rep- so, by uh, reputation. Yes, yeah. he he was great. And he Gilbert was, worked he, for his sister. He worked for oh, yes. <laughs> he worked for Capital uh, Capital Records and. Uh, he was when Jack Rollins and Jaffe left Chicago after being there for Woody's first act. Time there, they had to, couldn't stay in town, so they so they called on John to keep Woody company while he was in Chicago, and uh, that was how they've been lifelong. And friends a friendship was born. And to our listeners that don't know, you can see John Dumanian in bit parts in almost every early and, Woody and Allen film. Gene Dumanian produced a bunch of Woody Allen pictures, mm-hmm. yeah. and you have a little bit of history with her. Yes, she was the producer. <laughs> In my season of Saturday Night Live. Gene Dominion. There's a connection. Which, mm-hmm. which they keep buried. <laughs> <laughs> it is not allowed right. to see the light of day. Grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Dominion uh, uh, is the is the coke, the guy yes. that sells him this 
Yes. He gives him the sample of the Coke in, in Annie Hall <laughs> yeah. and in many, many other uh, well, Woody He Allen and Woody films. would go across him. the street or Rush Street and play pool in between sets. Right. And uh, go to see the jazz clubs and... Props, by the way, let's not bury this, that you guys managed, yes. and this is a miraculous yeah. achievement, to get Woody Allen, yeah, the, it, the yeah. reclusive, reluctant Woody we, Allen, yeah, we, I, what'd you to say? be I part mean, of your doc. We just hustled, and we got lucky, and we just got through to him after about a year of trying. Um, I well, mean, I, and the other story is we had that uh, I talked to Shecky Green a year ago. Big fan of Gilbert's. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> no, now, now for and fans. people have told me that he's a notorious, yeah. difficult listen, man. Listen to him on this podcast. He, <laughs> he answered my calls. He loved George and Oscar. He sang, He literally sang the praises of Mr. Kelly's yeah, in his that. Cubs jacket. It's the club <laughs> yeah. that can melt When I went over there to interview, heart. he had locks and bagels set out for me and my, my partner. And See, I thought you know, he was the sweetest the guy in the that world. Can cause, these guys can 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 uh, they yes. can be the ambassadors. You should be doing the booking for this podcast. We need a side job. So. <laughs> this is yeah, Taunt. They can Sheck, bring you and Shecky together. Shecky Green. I was supposed to be playing with him and some other entertainers at some Friars thing. I went on, and Shecky. Flew into a rage, <laughs> and and he was. I think he tried to throw a punch at Freddie Roman. He did. He did. Yeah. In fact, and, and, and he's and he said of me, he goes, "I was in the Navy, and I never heard language like that." <laughs> A little hard to believe. Well, I, I, I guess he was quite difficult at Mr. Kelly's back yeah. in the day, and I think he was, you know, partying a little bit more than he does today at ninety. Well, I, uh, I saw the teaser yeah. that you guys are circulating, and and uh, Shecky looks yeah. like he was enjoying doing the project. We got him to was... sing, which is crazy. <laughs> if, you, if you watch the the teaser, well, he had the story that when uh, when he was at Kelly's, he he liked to go to the track most days uh, while he was in Chicago. And he came back, and I guess he had won big, so he stopped and bought a new car, a new Mercedes, uh-huh. and left it with the uh, with the valet back in the day. And it turns out he comes out, and the valet knew nothing about it. He gave it to somebody that you know was a a poser for a valet, and he never oh, saw the car. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good and, one. And didn't he like one of his famous stories? Shecky got really drunk that's when he drove in the fountain. Drove, yeah, he yeah. drove his car into the fountain. And <laughs> at Caesars, that, maybe? No, that that was in Chicago. Oh, was I that believe. in Chicago? Yeah. Oh, I had that, that, that was the same. You know, he yeah. spent a so all. Shelly Berman came every single year. Did you get Shelly for the? Uh, no, no we unfortunately, I talked to Sarah, his wife, who was yeah. there uh, with him for most days, and she was an actress as well. And he he was still still with us, but uh, he was you know, when we started the same with us. When we started the podcast, he was yeah. already too compromised. To, but if, to, to if, have you, on the if show. you listen to interviews with Shelley, he always credits Mister. Right. Well, he came out of the whole Chicago, sure, Second yeah. City, Second and, Compass and, Players, and, Go- yeah. and Goodman Theater. Right. He was a dramatic actor, of course, and that's right. We decided to try uh, try comedy. He's in that Twilight and, Zone uh, episode. Oh, that's Shelley right. Berman. Yeah, we we have a, a great uh, movie that he made. A cultural right. introduction to Chicago in 1967. Wow! Which is showing him showing doing a, a tour of Second City, and then sort of some of the few live footage we have of of Mr. Kelly's in London House. Yeah. It's in that film as well, and he narrates the whole thing. We'd love to get you guys a, a copy of that. We'd love fun. to see it. Yeah. I I remember with that <laughs> that episode, 
They didn't have great special effects back then. On Twilight Zone? Yeah, so see if you can find it. Like, it looked I mean, like uh, they made up a Shelley bunch Berman. of quickly, cheaply made yes. Shelly Berman Rubber masks. masks. Uh, <laughs> you see this episode? I know, yeah. yeah. I yeah, grew yeah, up yeah. loving that. Well, as, as Adam uh, mentions, Shecky was here with us uh, for oh. about 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. kept screaming. He carried our... our <laughs> He kept screaming into the phone, this is not the way to do this, Gilbert. Yeah. It was I, just an interview. And I said, this is the way to do we weren't this. Trying to, we we're, weren't trying to broker a piece. We yeah. were just trying to interview yeah. him. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. The, Woody, getting back to Woody Allen, too, and what we were talking about in the kitchen, he re, he recorded his first album yes. at Mr. Kelly's, which was called Woody Allen. Yes, the self-titled. And so what people know from that famous double album, that stand, the stand-up comic album, and we were talking about uh, the bit about his wife coming into the bathtub and sinking mm-hmm. his boats. You know the, that bit? My oh, wife yeah. is immature. And the moose. And the moose and the Berkowitzes. Oh, I right. wouldn't shot a moose. <laughs> <laughs> Strapped him to the roof of my car. <laughs> Recorded at Mr. Kelly's. How about wow. that? Yeah, and the bullet. Yes. The bullet in the yeah. breast pocket. Well, well, an interesting thing, because I did a lot of research trying to prep for him. Um, man, he had a cool... Uh, career between four different engagements at Kelly's and you know when he played he'd be there for you know three to four weeks you know it was mm-hmm. and that was kind of typical then and uh, in 64 when he recorded that album uh, Louis Lasser you know from Mary Hartman and you know his his second wife right second wife was playing at the other club David's father owned the Happy Medium so they were a couple you know in Chicago at the exact same time living so, it up living it up so yeah he really had a great uh, uh, history in Chicago in the 60s and talk about some of the other records too that were that were recorded there because they're Freddie, impo- they're important yeah well, uh, the, the Prince, music the music albums as well oh well music I mean Gene Krupa recorded at London House well some uh, of the great ones Oscar that we Peterson. we're just finding things all the time yeah. Billy Holiday. How about that? At Mr. Uh, Kelly's. We found two yeah. two records of her, uh, two or three cuts from hers that she yeah. recorded at Mr. Kelly's. Uh, London House, the jazz place, right. was recorded as part of the Armed Services Network. So they were broadcasting from the London House every week. That's great. And Ella Fitzgerald's album. Yeah, Ella Fitzgerald. Live from Mr. Kelly's and, and uh, Della Reese. Sarah Vaughn. Sarah yeah, Vaughan. they were all doing these live live records. Yeah, it was in the, those Oscar days. and George designed the, the club to have this acoustical. Yeah. Uh, properties and evidently, yeah. you know, that's we, you know, we asked Woody why he wanted to record his his first album there, and he yeah. basically said that Jack thought this was you know the one of the best clubs in the nation, and this was the place yeah. that he needed needed to do it. And of course, Chicago again was people don't remember, but Chicago was the center of the universe. It was truly the the barely second city to New York at that point. I mean, it was the crossroads of, of the nation. Creativity, yeah, of course, uh, music, recording, advertising. I mean, it was it was happening. And when you were just a kid, and you you probably had very little idea of all of this that was happening around you, because you were probably you were too young. Is that fair to say to to, uh, to really appreciate you know, I, some of I, the, I, my father the was a, a celebrity. It? Back when local celebrities were really were celebrities, uh-huh. so you know people say, "Oh, your dad owns a nightclub," and you know it was it was it was pretty cool. And then they used to have big parties at the house where Oscar Peterson would play the. Play the piano. Incredible! Uh, Les, what a childhood. Les McCann would come and uh, hang out with us in the in the bedroom and, and play with us. And uh, Neil Hefty wasn't he, at the house. You don't remember <laughs> Neil Hefty? Just trying to throw uh, Gilbert a bone. God, would I have loved to have interviewed Neil Hefty? I know, yeah. I know. And you guys decided on another very funny guy to narrate the documentary, Tom Dreesen. 
Yeah, Tom Dreesen's, um, you know, been very gracious and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Chicago native. And, you know, I think it really, what we find is that guys who- Tim grew, and Tom. Yeah, Tim and Tom, what, you know, guys that grew up in Chicago really appreciated playing there. And, yeah, he played there with Tim Reed from Remember w- Tim Reed? He, they were WK, a duo. Oh, yeah, in Cincinnati. Yeah. And then, because I, I, I remember- Tim Reed invited um, Venus Tom Dreesen on uh, WKRP. WKRP yeah. That's right to do an episode. Yeah, they that's had right. a you know the black and white comedy duo. They were one of the. Tom's got a great story about them being the first mixed uh, comedy team, and they were not only playing Kelly's, but they started going to VFW halls downstate, and they had some you know pretty dicey incidents. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump off that and give your 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 uh, your dad and your uncle short shrift on that. It's important what they did, giving giving a black comics a voice in in the club when they did. Yeah, I and mean I it was it was a uh, important. You know, it was somewhat a business decision, but it was also you know that they felt like you know they treated their you know they had very you know some of the first people that uh, welcomed African American clients. We found an article from the fifties that said ten downtown clubs welcomed the sepia trade. The sepia yeah, trade. That was in the Chicago Defender, which was, yeah. you know, the probably the most famous black newspaper of the 20th century. And then on top of that, you know, I've been doing research in Jet and Ebony's uh, catalog and their travel guide for black tourists. They would put Mr. Kelly's and London houses, you know, basically safe places for visiting African-Americans to go to. How about oh. that? Yeah. We ran into it. We, we're, important. We, we've been doing these events at City Winery in Chicago where we. In January, we reenacted the whole uh, Ella Fitzgerald album with six local cabaret wow. singers, and it was a phen- phenomenal hit. Rave reviews, just really talented people. So that and, that was a list that they could safely go in there; they wouldn't be trouble. Yeah, well, they would have in the back of the magazine like a travel advisory of where you could go, and uh, you know, I mean, they, you know, we just keep finding documentation and and black. Um, magazines and newspapers saying, yeah, come here. It's, you know, it's a, it's a place to go where you can be safe. Well, well the best story is at this event, we ran into a yeah. elderly African-American man, big guy. And uh, he said, well, I was there all the time. And then he said he was a Chicago policeman. I said, well, this is going to be a great story. What was he doing there? Was yeah. he a security guard? Was he, you know, casing the joint? You know, it turns out once Adam got to talk to him, he was there because he was dating a white woman. And this is the place, the only place he felt he could go safe. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, How about and that? He, yeah. And George put him up in, in front. There was no problems. And he just, you Good know, for you, Dad. A very, very, pro- a very, very progressive very place. There. A progressive place at a, at a, at a difficult time. At a, yeah, at I a, mean, in a tumultuous period. Good for them. I want to ask you guys a little bit about somebody that you, another coup, somebody else that you got into the documentary, uh, the great Bob Newhart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob. Another feather in your cap. Yeah, Bob. Uh, Bob's interesting because another Chicago, you know, native, and I think another r- person where I think it meant something to him to be there. Um, he actually cut his album before he really had nightclub in uh, Texas. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, he, that's that story's famous. But you know, he's, but he didn't have nightclub um, experience necessarily. He was kind of more of a recording artist first. So he kind of credits Mr. Kelly's with being a place where he really. Um, started to be more secure as a you know stand-up uh, performer in um, in the public sphere. Well, this is the myth or legend was that my uncle, and this is again somehow things 
family stories get the story, but the story, sure. the family story is that actually Bob Newhart came in to my uncle's office as an accountant. Of course, he was mm-hmm. an accountant. Yes. That's where he got started. Yes, indeed. And he started, you know, he was working as an accountant and he was telling jokes. And my uncle says, you're funny. You should be in comedy. And uh, I hope that story is true. You know, we, 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 <laughs> asked, we asked him about it and he felt like, you know, he remembered my uncle very well. But it was really the uh, local disc jockey that got him to restart to record that phone message, and they had been talking. Because he was going to give Dan up, Sor- Dan Sorkin, at, yeah. at a certain point, mm-hmm. he was he was uh, disillusioned. Oh no, he yeah. told us very clearly, this album was his shot. Right, you know, he was a conservative guy. A- he had a family or whatever. He was giving it this album and this tour, and if it didn't go anywhere, he was back to the account. Well, and the way that this is, of course, the button-down mind Bob Newhart album, and the way that it grew is also an interesting story because he had he went on the road. He had no idea that the album was was picking up all this momentum. Yeah, no, I mean it was you know I think it was another case of they pick somebody on the rise to the top, and so you know it was another case of wow, he was the hottest act. Uh, you know, winning Grammy of the Year, I believe, uh, for that album. Outsold a, you know, a, a, a Sinatra like, and Elvis. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. He was that that was that went to number one. That album, Button Down Mind of Bob Newhart. Ah. In the days that comedy albums used to explode, when people bought comedy albums. Yeah. Well, people used to sit around and buy a comedy album and a pizza and have a party. That's all you needed. And I think uh, Bob Newhart said when he was on top, he kept wondering. Okay, who's going to be the one to knock me out of first place? Mm. And then he saw Bill Cosby come along. He goes, okay, that's the one. (laughs) How about that? Most celebrated comedian since Attila the Hun. The record company wouldn't let him use that. (laughs) That's what he wanted to put on there. But that was like he was ready to quit. He gave himself a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. He gave himself a deadline. The interesting thing about Button Down Mine, too, is the first night was was wasted because there was a woman heckling him. They couldn't oh, use they that. couldn't That's use crazy. the audio. Wow. Yeah. So we were, it was that was the Friday night. They had to throw that audio out. Wow. And he came in on Saturday night, and that was the that was the keeper. Um, well, he was just another one. It was so nice. Again, pick his, yeah, I saw him in the trailer. His, picked up his phone, answered it, and it was really because of the respect they had for my father and uncle. I mean, I you know, as soon as they heard that Marienthal name. Tell us about Hefner's connection. Well, uh, Hefner, we really got to nail more uh, of the details down. Um, he definitely was tied to the club. He, because um, you told me on the phone that yeah. he may have been, he may have in fact been inspired. Yeah, to well, open his own. Well, you know, to start with, um, he would work out of the London House when he was working at uh, Esquire and. There's rumors. There's another rumor we we just don't have the proof of yet that uh, George and Oscar Marienthal may have helped give him seed money well, for the first Playboy. Yeah, he was working, and this is somewhat corroborated by his historian yeah. at Loyola University. Okay, good enough that, for us. Uh, that uh, he was working as a copy editor, uh, account manager, or something at Esquire, hating his job. You know, Esquire is right across the street from from Kelly's was publishing or from London House. So he used to come in there complaining, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I hate my job. And so Oscar and George and some other Jewish businessmen were saying, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to open my own, ba- my own magazine. So they all wrote him checks. So, that. Yeah. so and this was corroborated. He said that, in fact, he was, go- he was, go- he was going around looking for small partnerships in his, in his new magazine venture. 
Yeah. But he so was at certainly the that was somewhere that he would go. You so should talk your, to Patty Farmer. Your family was really responsible for helping create Playboy. Exactly. The whole thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was really. Uh, it sounds like they encouraged him at the very least. Uh, you know, it was this whole current that was going on in, in Chicago. Uh, and then we did hear another manager at the Happy Medium Theater said that he would come in and drink diet, drink Cokes all day and write copy for for Playboy. Yeah, and so, he, he'd invite employees from Mr. Kelly's Happy Medium London House. You know, whatever club he was in, he would inv- invite just the common Joe who's working the lights. You know, we've interviewed people, and they'd all go to the Playboy Mansion. Or when yeah. Dick Cavett stayed in town, he stayed at the Playboy right. Mansion. He was very he, honored that they, so he, he was— there was ties. Dick Cavett told us the story. He was staying at the Hotel Maryland, which was where all they stayed, which was right. a pretty regular hotel. All of a sudden, he finds his bags out front by the door. He said, oh, my God, was I fired? What's going on here? And the next thing he knows, he says, that, well, they're taking these bags down to the Playboy Mansion. Nice. And that's, and that's Mr. Where he's, Hefner that, wants you. That's where he, <laughs> How that's, nice. That's oh. where he stayed for the rest of the, yeah. of the what game. What a great story. And, and you got Dick to be in the dock, and, too. Yes. And yeah. right. nobody ever turned down an invitation to the Playboy Mansion, I take it. No. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> no, it was, it was a nice place to uh, to hang out. Well, John Dumanian was just talking yeah. about Yeah, you know, him uh, and Woody would go in between shows. And, and they'd go to the grotto and watch the girls swimming from <laughs> Right, the of bar. course. The see-through pool. Well, now right. you, Hefner's gone, and you, I assume you didn't get to him. But yeah. have you talked to anybody on the on the Playboy side to, to, to flesh out some of this uh, stuff? We're try, we're, we have some entrees to Christy Hefner. Okay. Uh, but, you know, they do have a very well-cared-for uh, archive that we certainly would love to because the, pen, the Playboy— Talk to Patty. The, yeah, I think the, play, I, yeah. the Playboy uh, penthouse after dark was, you know, every yes. every comment. Everybody was on there. there. That's the thing. They'd and, go. Uh, Lenny Bruce in 58 appears at Kelly's would go. So like and go uh, to the Playboy uh, penthouse and record an episode. So that was like a pipeline. Whoever was in town at Kelly's often would then also go record at Hefner's show. So it was like this kind of like I love it. They were so closely tied. Yeah, in because a lot if of you look at the, if the the talent on this list, a lot of these people yeah. you associate them with. Yes, with well, that, and there was an interchange because, for instance, Dick Gregory, he, Hefner hired him first. Yeah, they were tight. Yeah, right. he and, uh, he always gave uh, you Hefner credit for hiring him. Yeah, I think you know he did, and then you know, but then you know they continued to give him work at at Mr. Kelly's. Yeah. Putting this show together, I always tell people, you know, that the, and this is a, a history project. This podcast mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. as yes. as is as is your documentary. And and one of the fun, one of the most enjoyable things about it is chasing the people. I always say yeah. to Dara, you know, that we should do another podcast about trying to put this podcast <laughs> yeah. together no, and the, trying to trying to dig these people up. This and obviously, for me, has been my my joy with it. I got to put this in meeting people like yeah. Jackie. Oh, like right. Arlene. I was just going to say. I mean, like John Dumanium. I mean, my God, these are and you guys. Who would I? How would I have ever met this? <laughs> Your biggest thrill of all, right? There. <laughs> right. Uh, but also, we have over fifty interviews with two waitresses that worked there for decades, supporting their their yeah. families as single mothers. You're drilling uh, deep. Many jazz sidemen. Jay Emrick, who owned twelve bars on Rush Street, including the one across the street. Uh, you, we we want to you know, create the and world these people around. Are yes, the, that's are what we biggest, try to do here. Are, are the biggest jewels? I mean, they really, that know, wonderful they really light up. Yeah. yeah, and don't you get that little feeling like that? You know, in your in your gut or your the pit of your stomach, like God, I wish I had been there. I wish I had <laughs> yeah. been twenty five in the prime of life yeah. when it was happening. You know, when we talk about how yeah. we miss the golden age of Vegas or mm-hmm. or yeah. the golden age, but when of the you're Catskills, there, you don't really you don't really uh, know you, it either. So many people have said that. You know. Yeah. 
they they were there and they didn't really realize what what they had. We had somebody here. We had a woman, uh, uh, Marissa Scheinfeld, and she had a book. Well, you listen to the show. Yeah. She had a book of uh, photographs of of the you know the condition of these Catskills hotels now yeah. and what they look like, and they're all ghost towns and yeah, it's covered with. You know, soil right. and weeds. Yeah, crack. and it's right. just heartbreaking. We talked to Patty Farmer about the end of the Playboy clubs and just all of these eras. You know, a lot of what this show is. We just talked to Tony Sandler and 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 uh, mm-hmm. Willie Tyler about the golden age of Vegas. It's you know, so much of it is gone. Right. And well, I this, think this Marienthal era has been interesting in that it did happen right after the war. Mm-hmm. You know, they they grew up to be you know two young Jewish guys were salesmen. They grew up got to be the kings of Rush Street. Then the you know then the whole world changed. Then you know they couldn't you couldn't do a a, a name act for two hundred right. people. Of uh, course, Vegas yeah. TV happened. You know civil rights movement changed. Women's roles changed. You know the whole world changed. And by nineteen seventy four, it was all over. Yeah. So it was it was twenty five years. It's almost like all a lot of that stuff ended in the seventies. Yeah. Same thing for the for the golden age of the Catskills. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you know and one thing like uh, besides larger cultural trends, the business changed because. You know, um, once uh, David's father died in '71, they it was mm-hmm. already sold to a you know a different company, and they tried to keep it afloat for a few years, but the business model just wasn't working because they were trying to book big acts. Um, you know, and for instance, Blood, Sweat, and Tears played the club for 25 grand a week. Wow. Same with Freda Payne, and 25 grand a week for a you know just under 300 seat theater. Uh, I don't care how many steaks and cocktails you sell. It's just it's not going to be fiscally, you know, possible to keep that place open. So, you know, and then everything starts moving to more of the comedy club uh, or the larger rock concert venues. And, uh, you know, it's just maintain, you know, in the suburbs uh, have more venues. Of it's, course. It's hard to maintain, I think, this kind of high quality, classy, mid-century you know, supper club. funny, the flourishing of the suburbs is to blame also in yeah. some way for the death of the Catskills because people mm-hmm. didn't have to escape the city anymore to go yeah. to the mountains. You know, it's 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 funny how, how these things connect up. But you're going to get to that point in the documentary right. inevitably where it all ends, it's a, which it's, I assume yeah. would be the saddest. Well, it's interesting. There is somewhat of a continuity because – uh, Steve Lombardo, who now runs Gibson Steakhouse uh-huh. at the site of Mr. Kelly's, which is one of the busiest steakhouses in the, the country, it still is a family-owned re- restaurant, treating their employees well, creating, you know, getting a lot of celebrity customers. That's nice. And, uh, nice that I But that he t- in 74, there was a whole other era open because he turned it into Sweetwaters, which was a fern bar. Uh, Faces, Disco was right down the street. Zorin's disco and so this was a whole nother 80s uh john travolta uh lights coke (laughs) dancing era that also has documentaries made about it right i think there's two interesting things here too also how you two came together obviously this is a legacy for you this is your family history he uh uh, adam is uh and how old are you adam uh, I think I'm officially the youngest guest of the show's history. I am not going to let this. Yes, I'm not going to let this. 29. He's 29, and he's a podcast fan. He listens to this show, wow. and he's in his 20s. Yes. I wanted to squeeze that in yes. for self-promotion purposes. But it's also interesting how you two came together because you're a history student. Yeah. And you 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 kind of found each other, and now you're on this journey together. Yeah. No, this is my first job out of uh, grad school, um, and it was really perfect because I grew up uh, obsessed with this, like I'm somebody who's or an old soul. 
Yeah, new yeah. coat of paint though, and uh, you know I grew up loving the Marx Brothers and Three Stooges and Twenty Nine Universal monster movies. I mean, wow, <laughs> I can do the Wolfman with you, and you know, but <laughs> but we don't have time. I'm sure. Oh God! So we we had basically the same childhood. Yeah, no, I had the boomer childhood, but in the '90s through cable. People that we may, we meet in the um, while making the round say, "Well, will you have young people listening to the show too?" And we're going to bring you in as Exhibit A. Up, up, in, up until now, our youngest guest was seventy-eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then you've got two young guests today. <laughs> yes, and well, the, we, we've been able to work with uh, Loyola. How we got in touch was through Loyola University, mm-hmm. and their oral history project has adopted this Mr. Kelly's legacy as their oral history. Uh, that is wonderful. Project for their class, yeah. and I've had 12 students going out and every semester going out and doing these interviews. Fantastic. And, you know, I think they, and they've been written blog posts for us. Yes, it's, and, and plug, so, plug the website and the blog before you run uh, off. Well, uh, make sure and visit us at www.mrkellys, M-I-S-T-E-R, kellyschicago.com. Uh, we have a very active Facebook page with lots of photos. You'll be able to see Mr. Kelly's some on photos Facebook. Of, yeah, uh, I update. Maybe every other day I do a post about there are some uh, great photos. One of the you know either acts you know like their their photos or you know ads or anything I find from the three clubs and uh, I periodically share them on the listener society. So you know Wait. feel free to friend me, for, uh, like us on Facebook at Mr Kelly Chicago. I mean we're very active community based. We, we have Instagram and Twitter and Spotify yes. as well. We have a playlist. We of got a lot it of all. the recordings on on Spotify. That's yeah. great. All Mr. Do something Kel- at Mr. City Kelly. Winery here. In the city. Well, Let's that could that could be coming. So, we, we'll, as we we'll, say, we're having an event on May 21st at City Winery in Chicago, where we're going to be presenting uh, the whole uh, city uh, Sarah Vaughn albums that she recorded at Mr. Kelly's with local ca- fantastic local cabaret singers, and introducing uh, some local high school students that have been studying Sarah Vaughn in yeah. their, in their, vo- in their vocal jazz class, and we're going to be. Uh, well, you're, you're introducing doing, a protege from yeah, Chai Arts. That's wonderful. And, and, and I would like to say, too, you know, besides checking us on social media, if anybody, you know, we've really had to work from the ground up. If anybody has photos, stories. Yeah, help anything, these guys. Anything yeah. related because, you know, long story short, all the documents were basically lost in fires and moving and transition uh, of ownership. So we, we had to start from the ground up. So I'll say to our listeners, help these guys yes. out. If you have any history associated, any any artifacts or photographs or anything connected with Mr. Kelly's in Chicago or anybody who played yeah. Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. Or if a hundred grand laying around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> hit, hit Gilbert up. Gilbert, well, you know, we could take donations of Pan Am soap if you have any. So. <laughs> you see the documentary? You oh, see the yeah. Documentary? I watched it on Thanksgiving. Wasn't it wonderful? The whole family loved it. Yeah. Last question. Aside from what David said is meeting the people has been one of the most rewarding parts. What is there one little discovery that you made is there one little wonderful thing that you found that just kind of turns your turns your head the thing that i I've, I've become obsessed with is i'm i love bb king's live at the cook county jail album uh-huh and had no clue that he it's maybe considered one of the best live albums one of the best blues albums of all time he recorded it while at mr kelly's and if you listen to the medley track halfway through the album he actually uh, references Mr. Kelly in front of all these prisoners. That's pretty cool. So, you know, I mean, just finding that eureka moment where it's like, oh my God, he recorded one of the most impressive live albums, you know, while at Kelly's. And he actually was set up because the uh, warden, I think, was at the uh, 
at his show at Kelly's and set up their performance. And I so, love you know, it. little things like that are just so exciting to find. Ain't showbiz history fun? I love it. We do it. We do Listen, it, we do it here every week. You guys are one of the reasons. Your inspiration. When I was in grad school listening to the podcast. You so. are so kind. Thank What's you your favorite episode us. of the podcast? <sighs> That's tough to call. I love anything with Steve Stolier because I love the Marx Brothers. <laughs> Steve's fun. And we've become friends. Oh, good. And uh, Steve's fun. He knows love, history. Yeah, and I love uh, anything with Drew Friedman because I get all the great Stooge conversation and Universal <laughs> Monster conversation. <laughs> Drew will love hearing that. Yeah, and, and the Larry Cohen episode, which oh, we were talking Cohen. about before oh, we turned the mics one. on. Outstanding. We love That's Larry right. Cohen. Say hi for us. I will. Yes, Please, he's... David knows Larry and, and his wife and Cynthia. Larry Cohen was one of those guests. <laughs> That when I was wrapping up the show, he had about ten more stories. He didn't want to go. <laughs> he he no. kept saying, "I don't want to no. go. I don't want to leave." Have to give him another show. <laughs> we'll bring him back. He's great. You want to take another attempt at this? Okay, I, I'm going to try it without looking at <laughs> right. the card. Here we go. Oh, Gilbert. Ah, uh, hi. This is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing. Uh, yeah. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's. Um, that ain't the one. No, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> And this has been, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and this has been yes. Gilbert and Frank's amazing, colossal obsessions. Yes. And we've been talking <laughs> to your loins, boys. Adam Carlston. <laughs> you really want to put that L in there, don't you? Oh, Car... It's like Car and Stone. Car and Stone. Carston. Karsten. Like Johnny Carson with a T. Oh! We've been talking to Adam Karsten. And? And (laughs) David Marienthal. Wow. They grew up. You made an impression on him. That's right. That's a first. How you wow. really feel a, a sense of pride <laughs> there, Dave. Yes. I told you that that's my, my greatest thrill here at doing this whole project. The documentary, uh, still uh, titled to be determined, about yes. Mr. Kelly's, the wonderful, famous, influential club in Chicago. Long may it wave. Thank you so I, much for having And us, guys. you guys were great, and thank you for coming thank here. You. And, I really, and really enjoyed it. Keep, keep us, keep in touch keep with us. And Absolutely. We'll, we'll try to, we'll, we'll see if any of our yeah. fans have anything. And, yeah, and I'm one of the fans, so feel free, anybody, reach out. Love to talk to you. Thanks, Jens. Colossal Obsessions. And now Mr. Kelly takes great pleasure in presenting Mercury recording artist, the divine Sarah Vaughn. <laughs> Those spring is here to me it's 
September That September In the rain The leaves of brown came tumbling down Remember In September In the rain The sun went out just like a dying ember Thank you very much.